0: What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Rossler and Derek Ambrose from the Dynasty Builders Podcast, part of the DLF family of podcasts. Each week, we use film analysis, rookie breakdowns, ADP, analytic tools, and a dose of humor to ensure that you get actionable and practical advice from each and every episode to help you build a dynasty.
1: DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family, a podcast. It's me. It's me. It's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. The triumphant return of the Super Show and the triumphant return of the Tacit Assassin. Zach Reed is here. I, I I told you off air, man. I told you, I told you a few days ago. We can't get through. Like I know that you're busy, man, with the rookie hoot nanny. You've got a, just a million things going right at the moment. This is your time. This is your time to shine. But we can't get all the way through rookie season without bringing you on the super show and talking rookies. I am
0: so happy to be back. Like yes. that, you hit my DMs. And I was just like immediately, yes, yep, yes, John. It has been far too long. Too long. And and being on, I mean, we've already done a full show before the show. I mean, yeah. your <laughs> listeners don't know that, but like we we've been on for, for half an hour, 45 minutes, and, and we've done a whole show. So this you're getting part two of the yeah. super flex super show. Uh the, we got the, the lost tapes. But but yeah, no, it's it's always it's always a blast to be on with you. We always get lost in the weeds and it and it's great.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. And I I have every intention of uh allowing that to happen yet again tonight. So <laughs> I, I I told you right before we hit record. Uh this there's there's no structure to this. This is all organic. I, I purposely came into this with a blank canvas. I mean, I know I want to talk rookies with you because, like I said, I mean, you know, this time of year, this is this is this is all you. Like you, you, you've studied all these, you've you, all these players, you've you've talked about them on the Dynasty Dummies. And, and you know, you're you're just you're very well versed in this. I am not. I, I, I don't like talking about rookies before the NFL draft, but I recognize that uh, it's it's an important part of this. And so, you know, I, I if I'm gonna if we're gonna talk about it, we might as well I might as well talk about it with the best. <laughs> <laughs> you you flatter me. That's, that's way, way too high a praise. But it's it's
0: funny that you say that you don't like talking rookies before the NFL draft. Yeah. Because that's my favorite time to talk about them. Yeah. Because after the NFL draft, you get you you know what the NFL thinks. Yeah. So you' you've got draft capital which is it's the most important piece of the puzzle and I' will, I will you will never hear me say otherwise mm-hmm. because what the NFL thinks dictates playing time yeah playing time is a is is where you showcase your talent so if you're not on the field it doesn't matter how good you are it doesn't matter how good I think you are if the NFL doesn't think you're good you're not getting on the field you're not getting a chance to put up fantasy points and so it, you know that that negates everything but I get a chance from November until late April mm. to make my own decisions about these players <laughs> every year, the incoming yeah. class, and sometimes I can get out ahead of things. I mean, we had we had uh, a couple of years ago it was AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson. Rondell Moore. We don't talk about Rondell that, but, but <laughs> no, but but like my top tier last year, I had a I had a three player top tier last year, and it was more Chase and Devontae Smith.
2: Yeah,
0: well, Devontae Smith was really good. I know people don't want to admit that he was really good last year. Jamar Chase was otherworldly, mm-hmm. and and yeah, Rondell Moore, fine. We had concerns with the way he was going to be used, and and who knows what happens in Arizona, but like. I love getting out ahead, making my decision before before I have uh, somebody else's idea of these players. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things that that I do specifically with rookie evaluation and and not just with the NFL where I do my rookie evaluation before the NFL draft, but I also don't listen to other people talk rookies. Mm -hmm. like i'm i go radio silent from november so like thanksgiving to wow whenever we had our last nanny show so a couple weeks ago i'm i'm radio silent i don't want to hear what other people think about these players yeah i don't want to hear traits of of these players i don't want to hear what these players do great i don't want to hear what these players do poorly because that all of a sudden starts to seep in to your evaluation you're looking for things yeah, and I don't want to be looking for things. I want to see what is happening. I want to to write that I chart games uh, and differently than a lot of people do. But but I'll I'll do a plus minus chart. And and if a, if a guy does something in a game, it gets a, a plus or a minus. If he does it multiple times, you get mo- and so all of a sudden you can see what what players are repeating, what players are doing well, what players are doing poorly, and what they're doing consistently from game to game. So it's not just the highlight, oh, you know, Traylon Burks made a one hand catch on the sideline, you know, toe drag, swag, touchdown. Like it's not just that. That only yeah. counts once. Like I, I don't I don't need that to be blown up out of proportion. So so it's it's making my own decision, making my own evaluation. And then when the NFL draft happens, I get to use their evaluation to bolster mine. So so if all of a sudden a, a player that I like goes in the first round, oh yeah, wheels up. If a player that I like goes in the fifth round, not nah, they're off the board. I mean, it was the uh, a couple of years ago, there was the Hakeem Butler. Uh DLF yeah. had Hakeem Butler at the 101 pre-draft. Like right. that was a thing. It was it was Hakeem Butler is the 101. And he went in the, it was like the, was he the first pick of the fourth round? Cause it was, he was day three. Right. And yeah. all of a sudden you're just like, nah, like we're good. Like yeah. that's, that's not, that's not draft capital enough for us to be excited about Hakeem Butler in, yeah. in the first round of a rookie draft, just based on the, the trends of, you know, if you're, if you're a wide receiver, you're going to be taken in the first three rounds, probably the first, 50 picks, but the first three rounds
2: mm-hmm.
0: that, you know, that's what we're looking for. And, yeah. and so to be able to use, and and it's, it's all about mitigating failure for me. Like, I, you know, you're going to be wrong a ton. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the nature of the beast. I mean, you're trying to predict what is going to happen four years down the road uh, of, of a kid's life who's 20 or 21 Yeah, Uh, you know, or or Juju Smith Schuster was like 14 when he came out. Something like he's he's still he's still only like 24. Ridiculous, but but like you know, you're trying to predict what's gonna happen with somebody three or four or five years in the future, and we can't even do that week to week, you know, because because it's you know 11 players on an offense and 11 players on a defense and. You know the the play calling and and if if something happens right, then it's a great play. But the difference between a great play and a bad play is, you know, your guard pulls just a half, you know, like two feet too far, and all of a sudden you get hit by a linebacker. You know, yeah. like so, like trying to predict exactly what is going to happen with these guys is is tough. So so anything we can use. So I'm I'm a film guy, so I'm using my film. And then when I get done with that, I start listening to the guys who do analytics and I start because they can cast a much broader net than I can. I can't watch 250 players. I can't. I watched, I watched 65 or 70 and that's a lot. And, and so they're casting this broad net. So once I get done my evaluation, I cross hatch that with, with the analytics and I start looking at where I am similar to, you know, I always lean on Peter Howard, but but it's not just Peter Howard that that whose analytics I look at. But we'll use Peter as the face of analytics because he's my guy. <laughs> um, but but so you crosshatch his his analysis and you figure out where we're we're similar, but also where we differ. Because mm-hmm. where we differ, I'm going to go back and, and watch again to see if I missed something. If I did, great. I'm going to change my my evaluation. If I didn't miss something, sorry, Pete, I'm breaking ties toward my film because that's that's where I'm comfortable with. If I'm going to get beat, I'm getting beat on my fastball. It's not going to be my changeup. Yeah. And and then you get the NFL draft, which now you've got another layer to this, this matrix. And it's just another way to mitigate failure. And so if you put all of these three together, I think you're coming out further ahead than any one of them on their own. And so that's, that's where I'm at. I I do my own thing until I don't. And then I rely heavily on people who do things that I don't do well Mm -hmm. to, to fill in those gaps. Yeah. Sorry. I've talked a lot. No,
1: it's, (laughs) it's, that was a one word (laughs) answer, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually remember the question, but yeah, I mean, no, that's, that's, that's why we're, that's what we're here to do, man. Um, Uh, I am I am curious now, though, because I just had Peter on not too long ago. Uh, And uh, we we you and I have very different relationships with Peter. um, But uh, like it it, like it, it ends up looking very similar. Um, (laughs) I just man, it's fun. It's so fun to disagree with that guy. But like in and so I spent the entire time trying to find that you know, trying to find those things. Um, And we ended up just talking process the entire time, which it's really hard to disagree on that, you know, like (laughs) as, as far as like how the, how the sausage is made, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's not nearly as, uh, as subjective (laughs) as talking about like individual player evals, but yeah, you're on the dynasty grind with Peter, Basically every week it's on the, the DLF, uh, YouTube channel. And, uh, you know, with that type of access, I mean, I, you know, I talk to him a couple times a year on super show and then another, um, he tags me in anytime you're not available for dynasty grind. So I'm on, uh, I'll be on YouTube tomorrow. Apparently. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I may yeah. drop in at the end. I,
0: I'm, I'm doing another show, but I, I told him, I said, Peter, you better leave me the link. <laughs> because I may come in at the end. I so be like the Undertaker coming in to help you finish the match off. Oh, nice. <laughs> just like all the lights go
1: out. Just <laughs> <bong>. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> What'd I do? Uh <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's gonna be a fun one. I think Ryan McDowell is gonna be there for at least oh, part nice. of it. Yeah, it should be a should be a good one. But uh but with the type of access that you have to Peter, you, you like you guys have probably found uh, is 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 hard as as hard as Peter and I try to like go out of our way to disagree. <laughs> I'm sure you've found more disagreements just you know pure volume. Like it's just a it's just like an odds <laughs> a, a, an odds thing for you guys. Uh, who like give me a player that that you're high on. Uh, from you know your time doing uh doing the film and uh, analysis uh that he just disagrees with you on <laughs> based on his analytics approach it's funny this year has been really
0: strange because we yeah. haven't been diametrically opposed. like usually there's Whoa. somebody like uh so a couple michael pittman my, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman was a player that like I watched, and I'm like, I think he's going to be successful in the NFL. Peter's like,
2: <laughs> no, Peter, have, you Peter, his,
0: <laughs> have you seen his metrics? And I'm like, I haven't yet. I will. You show me the met, and then and so he he told me what he saw, and I'm like, that sounds, you know, that's that's just a bunch of numbers, Peter. I don't I don't speak that, <laughs> and, and and so we kind of diverged. But but this class, and I think part of it is. I don't have very many players in this class that I feel very strongly about. Oh. I don't I don't think it's a I don't think it's a great class. It feels it's, a lot like yeah. 2019. Yeah. Where you know, 2019 you had a little bit of a little bit of hey, Josh Jacobs, um who like who Miles, who, Sanders. Miles Sanders, like yeah. that sort of thing up at the top. Um, and I was actually the I was a David Montgomery guy. Yeah. which that one, you can't do that. He's slow and he can't, you know, he dances behind the line of scrimmage. It was like his offensive line started off three yards in the backfield every play. So maybe yeah. give him a little. you know, but, but this, this year it's really, it, it, it's hard for me to get really, uh, worked up about these players there wasn't there wasn't a Justin Jefferson where I was like yeah I'm going to the you know going to the mattresses for this player there wasn't a an AJ Brown there wasn't um even even players like JJ or Sega Whiteside who P- Peter had like uh, ranked fairly highly I mean I think he was like a mid first for for Peter and I was like guy he's a post player and he's like Robert Parrish, like, he's not, he's not like Shaquille. He's like, he's like, he's okay, but man. And, and, and so like the, there really isn't a lot. I think the, the one that we disagree with the most is probably going to be Christian Watson. Oh, okay. And, and it's, and it's because he didn't, he didn't really have any stats. Like it's, it's hard to, it's hard to analyze him metrically because he didn't really do much but he's also a really hard film watch because I, like I look at him and I'm like man the, the things that he does well he does really really well the things that he does poorly it's it's really bad like he he's got yeah, like he's got so he's got he's got in, just incredible deep speed yeah. and and the ability to run by defenders and so uh, he's he's playing at north dakota state 6'5 208, just a huge guy, and you're seeing him run free in the secondary Mm -hmm. all the time, like he just all of a sudden he's by the safety and gone, and sometimes they throw it and sometimes they don't. But it's it's really impressive to see a guy that big move that fast and and have the ability to gain leverage and get over the top of both the corner and the safety consistently he's pretty good. I mean, obviously he's, he's six, five. So he's, you know, high point hands catch, keeps the ball up. And, and he also, and this was a really cool thing that, that North Dakota state did with him, but they use him in the run game. So they'll run a lot of jet sweeps because he has that ability to eat up ground. And so if he's in space with the ball, which, you know, on a jet sweep, he's already moving. So he's got a little bit of an advantage. Like, that's fun. Every now and then I'd see him run and I get this flash of Marshall Randy Moss not like not him as a receiver but like there I can picture the clips where he's got the high white socks and the green yeah. you know the green uniform, and he's just like jumping over people and he's running on a jet sweep where he's running on like a little slant and I'm like, man Christian Watson does some of those things but he also wasn't asked to do an awful lot uh short and intermediate he didn't do much at all. Like they didn't throw him the ball there. And when he did get the ball in there, he alligator armed a lot of it, which is not like you're, you're big, go, go get it. Uh, And, and I didn't see a lot of physicality in, Mm. in routes, which sometimes, sometimes I don't mind. I think physicality, especially in the NFL, unless you're elite, unless you're Mike Evans, unless you're, I guess Mike Williams isn't really elite, but like those type of high point players, but there aren't very many of those now. The NFL's shifted away from that. Yeah. And I think we're getting we're that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. I, I talked about this with Jay Mike a couple of weeks ago, but like I think we get caught looking to the past because that's the easiest way to to evaluate. We have all of the data from the past, but the NFL moves forward. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were if you were 10 years ago evaluating the NFL and and looking maybe it was more than 10 but you're looking at running backs like Adrian Peterson you would be SOL because the running back paradigm shifted from you know Adrian Peterson 250 300 carries and and you know running up the gut and and hoping you hit one to Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook and and Kamara and Antonio Gibson and all of these guys who catch ball swift and and yeah, you still get a Derrick Henry, who's in that Adrian Peterson mold. You still get a Nick Chubb, who's kind of in that Adrian Peterson mold. But man, things move forward. And if you look at the shift in the NFL with receivers, they've gone away from the, the two wide receiver set, you know, have Des Bryant or or Calvin Johnson go deep and, and that sort of thing. And we, they've gone a ton to three wide receiver sets and moving people in the slot. You know, even even players like, um, you know, like Justin Jefferson, who probably would have been traditionally uh, an outside receiver 10 years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now you, you get mismatches moving him into the slot. You get mismatches with a ton of wide receivers that you never would have thought. Would move into the slot occasionally, and you're getting you know 20, 25, 30 slots snaps on easy matches. So, like I, again, Christian Watson, the things he does, he does really well, but there are also things that I'm like, man, it's not <laughs> really what the NFL does. Drake London. Drake London is is gonna be the, the bane of my existence this this entire draft season because I've got him at wide receiver five. Hmm. And everyone is telling me I'm too low. Hmm. Everyone, everyone's like, he's got to be wide receiver one or two. There's no way he can be wide receiver five. And I've got him at four.
1: And yeah, I see you' are
0: way too low no. <laughs> yeah, I know I
1: know right it, it, honestly that's as high as I can go for usC wide receiver that's 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 where this whole thing <laughs> now now you've got narrative street going you've got your film analysis you've got your analytics yeah and the laundry yeah <laughs> let's, but, let's throw in some uh some narratives too
0: <laughs> for me though it's watching watching what the NFL is doing now,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then watching what Drake London does, and uh, I don't know if you've heard Peter did. Um, I, I know I think it came up today, but he did an episode of uh, Crossroads, and and kind of riffed off. There was a tweet uh that, and I'm going to have to go look it up because I don't have his name off the top of my head, and I should Scott. Um that's right, right? Man, this is great radio. <laughs> I didn't hear
1: that episode. Scott yet. Barrett,
0: yes. Oh, yeah, all right, yeah. So so there was a there was a tweet that Scott Barrett put out that was the the top wide receiver's seasons by percentage of receptions coming on contested catches. Mm-hmm. The first was Nikhil Harry in 2018. The second was JJ Sega whiteside in 2018. The third oh, was Rager,
1: and the fourth was Drake London in
0: 2021.
1: It's an all-star cast,
0: and that's that's the. <laughs> and Denzel Mims rounds it out with with number five. <laughs> oh, and, why and, not? And so, like again, it's not to say that Drake London is a bad receiver because he's not. Like you can see that he does some things great. He's got, for my money, he's got the strongest hands in the class. Like, mm-hmm. he'll go up and get it, and people are not knocking the ball out. He's very good post-catch. He's yeah. a lot more agile than I thought he was going to be. Like, you look at him and how big he is, you know, 6'4", 6'5", and 2'10", like, you're like, eh, he's probably not going to gain you very much. But he's actually very good post-catch. Uh, I like him blocking. I think I think he often lays out his blocking assignment. Like, he pancakes guys, which is not something you necessarily see out of a wide receiver and then the he's good in traffic mm-hmm. but he has to be yeah because he's not creating separation my line is i think he suffers from monophobia which is the fear of being alone like he's never alone <laughs> he's there's gotta, always somebody right in his pocket got to have a db touching him at all times it is and and he does this thing where like he'll he'll go and find a defender and then you will just stay with them, and <laughs> I'm like, hold no, his hand,
1: no, separate,
0: <laughs> and and so you know you you see the NFL and you see, and I I think part of this is a shift in the way quarterbacks huh. ha- have played and been brought up, because now you see a ton of guys playing seven on seven in high school, you see colleges going to spread offenses, and so there are guys open all the time, and so there are not as many de quarterbacks that will th- there aren't Brett Favre is a you know is a dying breed i mean like Josh Allen uh Herbert like who like who else do you have that's going to throw the ball up and not care i mean i guess Winston's <laughs> back in in <laughs> yes in he is in new orleans <laughs> but like there aren't a lot of a lot of quarterbacks that are throwing guys open yeah. It's a lot of okay, I see separation and I'm going to throw it. And then you get maybe you get contested catches where like the defender closes, but but the quarterbacks are throwing the ball when players are open more and more and more in the NFL. It's the old Dak Prescott when when Dak came in and everyone was like, "Oh, Des Bryant is going to eat." Dak Prescott does not throw the ball unless he sees separation. Des Bryant was a vertical separator. Drake London is a vertical separator. He's not getting separation horizontally on the field. He goes up and gets it, and he's good at it. But the NFL doesn't do that as much anymore, so he's going to have to land in a spot with a quarterback that is willing to throw it, and then he's going to have to have everything else break right too. And so it's it's not a Drake London is Bad, it's it's harder for me to see a player like Drake London succeed than it is for me to see a player like Garrett Wilson succeed. Yeah, and, and that's just it's the way the NFL has has shifted. It was easier for me to see a player like AJ Brown succeed than it was for me to see a player like Nikhil Harry succeed. And if you read my film notes between London and Nikhil Harry, there are so many similarities because he doesn't win the way you expect to downfield where like he's winning contested catches, but not creating separation. And and he does some of his best work when they move him into the slot and he can get open on a slant underneath and then use his ability to create yards after the catch. That's exactly what Nikhil Harry did well. And it pains me to say this, but Bill Belichick and Tom Brady couldn't figure that out. So what hope does the rest of the NFL have?
1: Yeah, <laughs> right. <sighs> okay, we, I, I know that quarterbacks aren't really a, a priority for you this time of year. <laughs> nope. Um, man, like the the only the only thing like, uh, you know, silver lining that came out of Kyle LeBrec's retirement <laughs> was there's a lot less superflex slander on the dynasty dummies these days uh i would still i i I would still deal with that just to have him uh back back on the airwaves but that's all right Uh, we get it we get it kyle uh we this being a super flex show i guess we we probably should talk quarterbacks just a little bit though um and it makes it even harder you know you talk about this being a bad class, man, it's, doesn't this, yeah. does this start with quarterback? Is it like, it, yeah, it, we came into this feeling like this was going to be four or five deep. And all <laughs> of a sudden I'm just like, I don't I I personally don't even feel real good about Malik Willis. Like yeah. I've, I it, I've kind of compare it to that, uh that scene on hall pass when they're in the club and you know, there's the, there's the, hot blonde surrounded by her friends and the guy, he says, no, it's a, it's an optical illusion. He holds his hands up. And so like all you can see is the girl and all of a sudden she's got a unibrow and you know, <laughs> warts and stuff. And then he separates his hands so that you can see all the girls around him or around her. And, and all of a sudden she's attractive again. And then puts his hands back together. So all you see is like, it, it feels like we're it, that's Malik Willis to me. Like, he looks good relative to this quarterback class. But, you know, like, it, like, separate him from Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell and put him up against actual, you know, starting NFL quarterbacks. Not, not to mention the elite-level guys, but right. just, just, you know, your baseline starter type of guys. And, I mean... Like at this point, Zach, I've got I've got Malik Willis right now without you know without knowing landing spot, and this is kind of assuming that, that it's going to be a good landing spot where he's going to start day one. I've got him ranked as what as quarterback seventeen. Ooh, yeah, like you I, know for for the NFL, not for the rookie. Right?
0: <laughs> no, I, I I get it. I think. And maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into fantasy scoring, but
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm at a point with Malik Willis where his legs are going to score. Like, there's going to be a. Everyone talks about the floor with the legs. The legs actually give you the ceiling, because if you have the floor with the legs, if he's any uh, semblance of a thrower, mm-hmm. then then Malik Willis is going to give you a ceiling. I mean, it's the same thing that everybody is betting on Trey Lance right now where, where Trey Lance is like what QB five or six or seven, like in, in Superflex hasn't, hasn't really started a game, but in the games that he played last year, even though he did not throw the ball well, he was scoring over 20 fantasy points a game. Like, yeah, that's, that's what legs will do for you. And I think that's, it's become less uh, less art and more science with quarterbacks for me. Like, can they run and are they going to play? Yeah. Because if if Malik Willis gets high draft capital and he's going to play, he's going to run, the The drawback is you're going to have to take Malik Willis at 101 where you had a player like uh, Jalen Hurts a couple of years ago who's a similar type player. Yeah. like in terms of like really good at running his his passing needs some work he doesn't always stay in the pocket he doesn't always get his his head up he's not always looking downfield not always making the the right decision but you could get Jalen Hurts in the second round of of your rookie drafts because he went in the second round of the NFL draft because people were off him because people were on tour they were on you know they were on all of these other players and yeah. and it was that was my my write up on uh, Jordan Love was this is not the running quarterback that you think he is the running quarterback you're looking for is Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. that was the last line of of my, my Jordan Love write up Willis is that similar thing but the 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 bet you're having to make on him is not a second round pick it's the one on one and that that to me is the The scary thing, it's not, it's not Malik Willis. Like Malik Willis is what he is. I mean, he's he's a a a dart throw quarterback. It's you're hoping he lands somewhere where they'll play him, Mm -hmm. and they'll let him run, because he like obviously fast, strong, breaks tackles, jukes, uh, has a very strong arm, and he flashes brilliance. Like he had a couple of throws a game where he like split zone defenders down the sideline, dropped it in the bucket. And you're like, wow, that was really nice. And then he has 15 throws where you're like, were you even looking where you threw that? Like this, it's, it was like pin the tail on the donkey, you blindfold and just throw it up. I think that, that sometimes he takes a little bit too long to decide to run too. And that's going to be, dangerous like you've got him in the nfl like there is no grace period like you've got two two and a half seconds at max and then you're in a lot of trouble so you've got to make that decision uh I, i think that he has very little touch on underneath throws like a lot of the people that that have evaluated and i've heard evaluate malik willis are talking about him throwing the ball downfield yeah he does that great but but inside of 12 yards it is Dangerous, Like, he's, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's there's not any touch. He doesn't believe in sliding. That was I did a parody song when we did the, the quarterbacks that week. Uh, that was slide the Goo, Goo doll slide. Why don't you slide? <laughs> man? And and that that pretty much sums it up. And I, I think also he doesn't keep his weight back consistently, which leads to that front shoulder flying open when your front shoulder flies open. And I'm not a quarterback coach or anything, but I played baseball and I pitched. And when your front shoulder flies open, the ball goes high. Yeah. And in the NFL, when the ball goes high, you're throwing that right into the back end of a secondary. You got safeties back there, and that is that is not great. And so I'm with you. I have I have concerns in a in a bumper quarterback class, Malik Willis is not the one on one. In this quarterback class, I don't see anybody else that gives you the ceiling that he does, aside from if you squint real hard, Sam Howell. <laughs> okay. And and I like I like some of what I've seen with Howell, but you have yeah. to squint.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Uh yeah, I, I was I was just gonna ask that actually. Like, let's let's put Let's put Malik Willis on, uh, you know, uh, like he's he he lands somewhere where he's obviously going to start. That was the plan, you know. Maybe even go somewhat early, like Carolina. All of a sudden, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, um, you know, Seattle, Pittsburgh, but you know, those are those are kind of the the teams that are really targeting quarterbacks. So you know, put him on, you know, the worst of the three. Um. Actually, let's put him on Pittsburgh. That's that's not a good situation for him. <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we can put. I think Carolina, honestly, is probably the best situation for a yep. quarterback. Um. So let's, uh, yeah. I mean, sounds like Sam Howell I- if he landed in Carolina and Willis is in Pittsburgh. Then all of a sudden, there's is there a conversation for you between the two at QB one?
0: I still think if you're talking, well, I guess it depends on how you play. Yeah, if you're if you are a uh, a risk averse, like you're trying to hit the middle of the road, then then yeah, I think there's a conversation. If you're playing for, I want to draft a quarterback who can be a a top a difference maker, a top eight. Uh, then, then you go with Malik Willis because I don't necessarily think that Howell has that in him. Because in order to do that, you have to run a ton. Like you look at the top quarterbacks now, and it's yeah. you know it's Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and and uh, even Kyler Murray runs a ton, and and even the guys who don't. So even Mahomes and and Dak who aren't running a ton. They still give you a lot with their legs and their elite throwers. Mm. And and so yeah, it's it comes down to your your risk tolerance. And and I but I don't think Sam Howell's a guarantee either. Like
1: Yeah, totally. You know, that
0: that's, that's the that's a thing. It's not like it's not like you're sitting there going, okay, am I taking the 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 dart throw with the really high ceiling or the the quarterback who's gonna come in and beat Kirk Cousins. I don't think there's a guarantee that you've got a a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr in this class, which is, is, that's scary to say, especially in Superflex. If we're talking Superflex Dynasty and and you tanked and you got the one-on-one and now we're telling you, hey, you better have your fingers crossed that Malik Willis, you know, becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. It's that, that's scary. Like that's, that's not how you want to rebuild the team. You, you should have been listening you know, last year when we were telling you to trade into 2023, you know, make that so yep. but uh it might not be too late, but it's getting there. <laughs> yeah, it's the bob <laughs> the Bob Dylan song, it's not dark yet, but yeah. it's getting there. <laughs> uh but but yeah, like I think it was really interesting to me to watch Sam Howell because again, I didn't have the hype buildup. Because I didn't watch Sam Howell two years ago or you know, or or the year before. I watched it all together. So mm-hmm. I started off, you know, in in 2019 and then watched his 2020 stuff and then got into 2021. And so you could see him be a very dynamic thrower of the football, but he also had two NFL caliber running backs, two NFL caliber wide receiver. Well, De'Ami Brown's in the NFL, but he's not necessarily an nfl caliber guy yet but but he had like two running backs two wide receivers and then in 2021 you had ty chandler and josh down like this is a significant drop off in in the players that he had around him but you still saw sam howell carry his team you saw him adapt you saw him go from being the thrower to rushing for 900 yards, which I like you didn't expect after his first two years. I mean, he was only running for like a yard and a half uh carry until his last year and then he went over 4. He makes good decisions between whether to throw, whether to run, or whether to throw the ball away, and I like that. I like the the decision making because that's one of the things that you'll see with Aaron Rodgers. And I know you've, I know you've watched enough Aaron Rodgers to, to, <laughs> to see a little this. Aaron Rodgers, but, but the reason why he's so good is yeah, he's, he's fantastic. He's accurate, incredible, but he doesn't do stupid stuff. You mm-hmm. don't see him throw the ball into triple coverage. He'll throw the ball out of bounds. And then the next play, he'll beat you. Yeah. Or he'll take that and he'll, he'll look and be like, you know, I don't have Devante this, this play, but we only need seven yards and I'm going to run and get out of bounds and then we'll, we'll run again. And he's so efficient that way, making those decisions. And you saw Sam Howell do some of that where he, he would throw the ball away. And he was one of the few quarterbacks in this class that would consistently make that good decision to get rid of the ball. I think he reads pressure pretty well, gets the ball out quickly. I thought he did well seeing both sides of the field. He usually does a pretty good job resetting his platform. Sometimes he gets a little funky with that back, back foot. I don't mm-hmm. don't love that. Um, and, and I think he's got good velocity and accuracy on short to medium throws. I think once you start getting deeper, it gets a little dicier. Um, he does struggle to reset himself when he rolls right, which is a weird. Mm. I mean, but this is all quarterbacks have like, a side that they roll to like even Mahomes like that was the the year that uh that the Patriots beat uh the Rams they beat Mahomes in the AFC championship game yeah and I have a tweet I can go back and find it but I was I was sitting there looking at Mahome's tendencies and when he rolls to his left, he was like ten percent less accurate than when he was rolling to his right and I said, This is going to be interesting to see how Belichick gets him to roll that way. And they basically did. They collapsed the defensive line on the side opposite to make him roll the other way. And so, look, it it could be a weakness. This could very well be a weakness for Sam Howell not resetting himself rolling to the right. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that is necessarily unique to Howell. He doesn't slide either. Like, I don't know what's going on with this, but like we need we need Ricky Henderson to come in and get some sliding clinics. you know, <laughs> get get down, get on get on your butt, get make that figure four underneath, you know, and yeah. and get down. um I, I do see how being careless sometimes with ball security mm-hmm. it's not that's not a sentence you want to hear with a quarterback.
2: That's yeah,
0: just,
1: it's not. you Although know I, w- I will say like I've started to sour just a little bit on Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, like it started off with him just like, first he was just weird. <laughs> and it, But like, that's where the rose colored glasses kind of came off a little bit. And one thing that, I've, that I'm starting to to come around on is he leaves a lot of fantasy points and NFL points on the field because he, he focuses so much on protecting the ball. Absolutely. Like you want a little bit of balls, you know, you want a little bit of, uh, you want a little bit of that. He he does, and and
0: it's it's always funny to me because people talk about how efficient Rogers is, and he is. Yeah, but some of that is yeah. I'm not gonna. I I don't need to throw this into traffic. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the you know the the little bit that you're giving me, or I'm gonna. And and it it is it it is frustrating, especially in fantasy where you're sitting there going like Rogers could be one of these guys who is putting up you know, a 40 point, 50 point week at a, at the quarterback position. Yeah. And he doesn't very often because he gets you just enough to win or, or, you know, just enough to be close. And it's not, yeah, he doesn't have that, that Uber ceiling, but, yeah. but, but when he does, it's games where he like, they get great field position and he'll have like, a, he'll have a game where he throws for like 212 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah, And it's like, that's the, that's the ceiling game
1: yeah yeah totally it, that's still there it's just those those five touchdowns were all high percentage throws you know yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. just like it's all that Devonte slant man yep <laughs> yep and that that back shoulder fade in the end zone and yeah uh, yeah i that's why i i love carson strong uh i know the like the the big issue well two big issues number one he doesn't run number two is leg is falling apart Uh, (laughs) that's a problem (laughs) I will admit that I do think that an NFL franchise if so inclined could kind of take the same approach as they do at running back and say you know what Uh, we're only gonna get you know three four years out of this guy but those three or four years are gonna be uh, are are gonna be good you know as a pocket passer, he's, he, to me, he's one of the best to come out in a l- very long time. Um But yeah, there's zero mobility. I don't care <laughs> about that. Most people do. I get it. it. And then the other one is Matt Corral. I still yep. really like Matt Corral because of that, that gunslinger attitude. I love that in my fantasy quarterbacks. <laughs> I love the, the yellow ball guys. I love the guys who are, who, you know, they're, they're, who are, who are, playing with reckless abandon sometimes
0: (laughs) but you gotta balance that so here's the the, so we play a completely different game than the nfl yeah like completely different but it's contingent on the nfl game so there's this weird intersect where like yeah we would like Jameis winston is great for fantasy Mm-hmm. Like especially if you're not playing in a in a minus four for interceptions like if you're play, <laughs> like you know if, if you're not playing in QB like premium like, like, bowl. yeah yeah <laughs>
2: that like
0: the the games where he throws four interceptions but throws for three hundred yards like yeah, it doesn't the interceptions don't matter to you right. but man they matter to that NFL team and and, right. and and that's the that's the intersect and it's is Matt Corral gonna be you know enough you know cautious enough or or accurate enough or efficient enough or whatever the whatever the adjective is enough for an NFL team to say here are the keys yeah because and, and I think that's the that's the thing that we get caught up in sometimes and it's not just the quarterback position it's yeah. all positions. I mean it was the thing that we're talking about with Drake London I mean like it's not that they're bad players and they would be great fantasy players,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but sometimes the NFL, like it, what, what they need to do or want to do doesn't align with, Hey, I just want some fantasy points. You know, I let, go out there and, and throw Ryan Fitzpatrick out there and let him throw, you know, <laughs> 400 times. Blake Bortles, Blake <laughs> Bortles was like a fantasy God for a while. And they couldn't, they like, they couldn't get over the hump at all in Jacksonville, but it, it didn't matter to us because you could get Blake Bortles as you know the the twenty fifth quarterback off the board, but you knew he was going to be top twelve.
2: Yeah,
1: you know, so it's this weird. Ed- yeah, I it, that's the thing. I so not to pick on your guy Mac Jones, but I'm going to pick on Mac Jones just a little bit here. <laughs> like, I, I, yeah, and, and and let me preface it. So first of all, I got it wrong. I have I actually have Malik Willis ranked quarterback twenty. Uh, yeah right now so and i've got him one spot behind mac jones i would rather have mac jones than malik willis for fantasy purposes and the big thing is the floor you know Uh, i just i know mac jones is
0: going to be a quarterback
1: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah exactly for uh, kind of for a while like he's he's he really fits that system well and i think that they're going to commit to him if they haven't already yeah um the So the problem is, you know, my strategy, obviously quarterback extreme, I've got five quarterbacks that I'm that for two starting spots. And I'm, I'm deciding based on, you know, who's got, because they all have a similar floor, who's got the highest ceiling. And I just think that it's going to be very rare for me that Mac Jones is ever going to make it into my lineup yeah. when I've got, you know, five quarterback, even even when Jameis Winston is one of those guys, I think there are situations, you know, he gets to play Atlanta twice a year, <laughs> like right. those two games, he's getting into my lineup. I just, I, I just have a hard time imagining, you know, as solid as Mac Jones is, I have a hard time imagining picking him over, you know, any of those four quarterbacks in a given week, Right. um, you know and and just because i i know that if he's putting up a lot of fantasy points things are not going the way New England wants them to go and they're going to fix that you know they're going right. to find a way to to limit his throwing that's not what they want to do you know yeah so it it, it that's yeah that that's kind of where the Like you talk about the psychology, there's there's (laughs) there's a certain amount of that that goes into it. And it's and see, that's exactly why, especially if I'm playing QBX, that's exactly why
0: I would want Willis over over Mac Jones, because you've got a you've got a guy who's never going to crack your lineup. Yep. Okay his his ceiling is probably QB, what, 15, 14, 13 in a year. Like he's not going to be a top 12 quarterback. He's not like yeah. he he doesn't run the ball and he doesn't throw the ball well enough downfield mm-hmm. and and right now the patriots have reverted and and we talked about this man it was years ago we talked about this we we did a uh we talked about the the way to play quarterbacks and the way to play rookie quarterbacks if you're an NFL team not not fantasy but like me yeah. looking at the the rookie pay scale and Man, you can take shots on rookie quarterbacks and cycle them through. Yeah. And, and if you hit on one, then great all of a sudden, but you can continue to build your team in the trenches and in the skill positions because you've because you've got such an advantage having a rookie quarterback salary. Yeah. And and so we talked about that, but we also talked about looking at what Belichick was doing even toward the end of Brady's career. It was like the it's like the riddle of the Sphinx, right? What what starts out on four legs uh, at at the middle of the day is on two legs, and at the end of the day is on three. And it's and it's man, you know, you get the baby crawling, and then the the you know you're walking upright, and then at the end of your life you've got a cane, yeah. and that was you watched Belichick start with Brady be a game manager, having the the big uh, front you know, front line, having the, the running back, having the tight ends and, and having the defense be the, the star of that team and Brady game managing. And then you saw the, the growth in the middle of the career of Brady where, you know, all right, all, all right now we're going to go get you Welker. We're going to go get you Moss and we're going to go get you Edelman and and we're going to let you throw the ball. And then toward the end of his career, you saw, them start to go back to okay we're gonna draft Sony Michelle we're gonna to start to get big with you know with with who we're putting around you we're not gonna throw the ball as much we're and and that was it almost was Belichick getting ready for Brady to leave mm-hmm. to be able to bring in the next guy to start with the defense being the star you've got the two tight end set because now you've got Henry and and you know you you've you've got this and you've got the running game. Now again, where you've got Harris and you've got Ramondre Stevenson, and and you, you've gotten big, and so now we're playing the slowdown game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And now, as if you're if you're drafting Mac Jones, you're hoping you're hoping that you see that same pattern of growth, adding wide receivers, and and letting him open things up. But you don't you don't know that that is coming like that's right. a <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's it's all contingent on mac jones i mean if if he grows into that then you know belichick will put the pieces around him but belichick is pretty good about figuring out where his bread is buttered mm-hmm. and and doing that
1: yeah
2: so.
1: yeah definitely and and there's val there's there's still value in that for us it you know this is this is one thing i've been tr- really trying to work on this off season last off season i just you know it was it was my first my first uh my first off season without podcast partners just me on the super show and uh so I, like i get to say whatever the hell i want and there's nothing anyone can do you know i don't have stompy beating the hell out of the table anymore and yelling at me like i didn't have that anymore i get to just i get to just say what i want uncontested and i spent the entire off season talking about quarterback extreme and uh, i mean i uh, first of all i got some bad reviews on it uh, that opened my eyes a little bit but even more than that you know the the tweet that you put out today talking about um, you know, you like you don't have to, you know, you don't you don't have to let the gatekeepers tell you how to play the game, and you know we're talking like you were you were talking primarily settings, yeah. um, and you know, but like even even once you have the settings set, for me to say like I mean, quarterback extreme works for me, like it works. That that in fact that's the only thing that really works for me, um and and to a point where I kind of even do it in one quarterback leagues, <laughs> like I just I I I just have never had success in any form of fantasy football with you know without good quarterbacks or at least options at quarterback at the very least and so so like that's just what works for me and from there the flywheel like it it all makes sense to me i yeah. see how it all comes together and I, I and i'm i still am a huge proponent of that i still believe that you know the roster the the names on your roster don't matter nearly as much as just the way you build the roster like the mix of players that you have on your roster the the, the names don't matter you know if you've got the right if you've got enough Running backs, it, it, it does. You don't have to have Jonathan Taylor, you know. Um, it, it, it I, I, I still believe all of that, but I, I, I also, you know, it, it still just kind of struck a chord with me. And I'm like, you know what? I, I really want to represent the other side of this, even when it means I'm contradicting my tent pole strategies. You, I still,
0: you would love. My team. I just finished second in a league. Yeah, my quarterbacks last year were Roethlisberger <laughs> and Cam Newton. Oh Cam God. was only a quarterback for half the year, I know. and, and I he finished, kept getting benched. And I finished second. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. And it, and it's it's so funny because I have I, I've been with with Kyle. It's 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 which it's, he's one of my longest relationships, man. It's like yeah, it's like my wife and Kyle. <laughs> and, and, and I've been with him such a long time that I, I got this malaise, this, this kind of, uh, you know, quarterbacks, whatever it's fine. Like I like quarterbacks, but, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not going out of my way. And I think people tend to overvalue them. Yeah. And I don't think that I'm right. And I don't think that you're right, but I think we're both right. Like, yeah. And, and that's like, that's again, that was the, the crux of that tweet that I sent out was because I think a lot of people get turned off to Dynasty because look, we're intense. Yeah, we are <laughs> like the, the the Dynasty as a whole, the people who who especially the people who are analysts, like if, if there's somebody with Dynasty analyst in their bio, mm-hmm. they are intense because Dynasty is the like the hard stuff. You know, like, like redraft is great. You're dabbling. It's, it's fun. And I like, I like redraft, but like, there's another level to the people who play dynasty and get really intense about it. Yeah. And it's, and it's easy to get turned off. I think, especially where, I mean, we've had such a huge influx of people playing fantasy football, like coming onto Twitter, playing dynasty, being in dynasty Twitter in the last two years. Like mm-hmm. since COVID, like there's just been a huge, there's been an explosion of podcasts there has been an explosion of audience for podcasts has been an explosion of people who want to play, who, who want to learn. And you have also got this kind of ensconced dynasty community. That's been here since 2013 or twenty four twenty fourteen 2014 was like the real big, the first big, like, bloom of of dynasty because you had the 2014 class
2: yeah you had all (laughs) those wide
0: receivers and it was like i mean everybody wanted jarvis landry oh no wait it was odell (laughs) but (laughs) kevin white (laughs) yeah yeah but but so you had this this big explosion so now you have people who have been doing this for four five six years we've already had the growing pains and then all of a sudden you have this huge influx again and you have all of the people who've been here saying no no you can't do that because because we already like
1: yeah we already
2: worked this out we
0: did it yeah (laughs) but you can do that like letting other people grow and like find their own way is perfectly fine it's it's great like it it doesn't matter to me as a as as somebody who has a, a dynasty podcast like i don't care what you're playing as long as you're happy like come to me ask me questions if it's one quarterback if it's if it's tight end premium if it's whatever like ask me questions I don't care if you're asking me kicker questions I may not know the answer but I damn well will send you to to Linda yeah and 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 the same thing with like IDP like I may not know IDP but I'll send you to people that I know that do know it Mm -hmm. and and so it's not like if if we're gonna if if this game is gonna grow, you can't be shutting people out of it. Like it's just it blows my mind that like, no, this is the way you have to do it. You have to have a a, a sixty man roster and a fifteen taxi squad, and we're gonna do a you know a, a eight round Devy depleted draft, and it's like you don't have to do that. Like you, you don't have to, you know, (laughs) the, the example I used was you don't have to have your first time in the pool, be the 200 meter butterfly in the Olympics. Like you don't have to do that. Like you can, we can do like a zero entry. Like you can have an, you know, a start eight with a, with a, you know, one quarterback and like, yeah, like that's fine. That's like, it's about, it's about the experience of dynasty. It's about being able to have that, camaraderie with the people in your league all year round Mm -hmm. that's the coolest thing for me about dynasty is i'm in dms with with my leagues and we'll talk in august and we'll talk in june and we'll talk in march and and it's not this when the super bowl is over in february like it doesn't stop there Mm -hmm. we're still talking about like I just I sent a message today in in one of my leagues because we're we're trying to find a, w- another player. We have a, an orphan team. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys was like, "Well, we can just give that guy's picks to to me and then you know, you can you could figure out whenever we can have the draft whenever because I'll have the picks and we don't have to worry." And I was like, that actually sounds like a great idea because I know if you have the picks, then I don't have to worry about good players going off the board because <laughs> you have never drafted a good player. And, you know, in the seven years of this league, you know, and, and things like that, that like you don't get always in redraft and redraft is fun. Like I'm not trying to not, I'm not trying to say that like dynasty is better than redraft or it's better. Like it, it's different mm-hmm. and they're all good. So like, play what you want but don't get discouraged from dynasty because somebody tells you that you have to play in uh, and I don't I don't mean to like but superflex is like sure. the one thing that like that was always the everyone was like oh are you play in one quarterback league so I'm like yeah I play in a couple one quarterback leagues but I play in a couple superflex leagues I play in a couple auction leagues with Bosch like mm-hmm. it, it's it's not it's not a one up but I'm playing for the people I don't even care what the settings are in my leagues anymore yeah, because I'm playing for the people. If you care about what the settings are in your league, great, play in those. Yeah. Like don't, but and don't don't let anybody tell you what to you know what you should or shouldn't be doing. On the other side of that coin, if you're one of the people gatekeeping, stop, stop. Like this <laughs> is supposed to be fun, and if yeah. you don't want to give advice to people who're playing in one quarterback leagues, don't. Mm-hmm. But to, you don't know, you don't have to dump on them. Like right. it, it's this is. Like part of, part of the thing that drew me to fantasy football and to the, the dynasty community on Twitter specifically was that sense of it. It was a, it was a community Mm -hmm. and it's still there. You got to dig a little bit, you know, it's got a little dust on it now, but it's still there. And it, every year it strikes me when, when Scott fish, start sending out those this scott fishbowl invites and the community that picks it up and runs with it more than anyone else is the dynasty community and it is like and scott fishbowl is a redraft Mm -hmm. but the dynasty community is just (laughs) dug in and they're entrenched and they're like this is great and you know it's Sal Lito and Steve and Kevin with the the potathon and they you know that they they started that off and it was like maybe forty people watched right. and then all of a sudden they got forty five thousand dollars donated you know and and like
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's the thing that 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 fantasy football and specifically Dynasty is it's a it's about the people and there's some great people like I I've met most of my best friends. Through f- dynasty fantasy football,
1: how stupid is that?
0: How yeah. stupid! But how great is that?
1: Like- yeah, I know. It, yeah, and it's 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 kind of crazy to think about just like how many people. I mean, we we know there's hundreds of millions of fantasy football leagues, yeah. you know, around the world. Uh, it's it. I mean, we can't even count that high. But like, how many people have probably? how many more leagues would there still be if we didn't have people quitting because they're just like, yeah, this is, this is way too elitist for me. This is like, you know, and, or, you know, the, the the settings that I'm supposed to use the the way that I'm supposed to play quote unquote, supposed to play just, it's not fun. I don't, I don't get it. Like, you know, I want to do, I, I I just want to do John Bosch's eliminators. And you know, draft my team and then that never have to touch it again. What what the hell would is, is really wrong with that? Yeah, you know, nothing. And and like I, I think
0: we 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 don't we don't say hey you know that you can do best ball, like that's yeah. a thing. You could yeah. have a best ball league. Yeah, we don't do that because no, you gotta oh no, this is this <laughs> is dynasty, but that's not dynasty, like dynasty is the rollover of league gear. And, and, and keeping your core team, but, but also keeping that league together. That's, that's dynasty. Like all the settings don't matter. All like none of the, like the builds don't matter. The, the strategy, their strategy, it doesn't matter what settings you have. They're going to be different strategies. Like you're going to have that, that part of fantasy football, but what, what dynasty is, the heart of dynasty is because you have the continuity of your team and your league, you develop these relationships with the people in it. And it's, that's what makes it to me. Mm -hmm. And it, and it's absolutely why we shouldn't gatekeep it. It's why we shouldn't sit there and say, Oh no, you have to, you have to have a taxi squad. You have to have a taxi squad. That's not like, that's not a requirement. Like, the requirement of of dynasty is you're rolling your team over yeah beyond that whatever play your flavor i mean it's it's like dynasty is cake there's a lot of different flavors of cake yeah throw me some ice cream with it i don't want cake without ice cream throw me some ice cream but like let's go <laughs> like it you know play whatever flavor you want yeah and and, and enjoy it because that's what we're doing like we're literally, we're playing a game with disposable income, have some fun with it. Like, that's what we're paying. Like that's what we're doing. It, it should yeah. be
1: fun. Yeah. That's- when, and for those of us who are just really into, you know, strategy really into, um, you know, just, just finding patterns and, and it, which is, which is most people, I mean, kind of regardless of how you get there, ultimately, you know we're we're looking for the same things and it's the same things that we've been doing all our lives it's the stuff that we've been doing like in video games this is this is how we play video and and actually i compare it to a video game like this is how ingrained dynasty is for me dynasty warriors is my favorite video did you ever play that game it's with the uh the old chinese uh uh dynasties and, and the samurais and stuff and uh like i i always i have my favorite fighter but i always like to switch it up i i like to be you know build up all the fighters and and learn how to fight well with each one of them and you know because you you first of all you get a totally different story but also i mean it's just you you almost like build another set of muscles and yeah. it's kind of the same thing with dynasty leagues where you're you know this, that, that best ball league. I mean, some people look at it and say, oh, that's just like, that's just easy mode. <laughs> it's not that it's easier <laughs> than setting yeah. a lineup. It's just, it's, it's, it's a totally different strategy, absolutely. totally different skill set. And I like having the ability to, you know, to, to think through a whole new strategy and, and build that new set of, of muscles essentially. Yeah. And, and that's like and again that's that's
0: if that's what your kick is
2: yeah
0: awesome playing a bunch of different leagues with different settings if if your kick is i want to player evaluate like I, i've talked to peter howard about this and he's like he likes just straight vanilla leagues because mm. he's doing so much grinding with the players <laughs> with the and and all that he's like i don't yeah. want to have to think about that And that's, that's great too. Like there's not a, there's not a right way to do it except for whatever's right for, for you. And I think we forget that. Like, it's the same thing with like the food takes you see people like with food takes on Twitter and then you see like 50 people go, Oh, I can't believe you'd eat that. And it's like, well, you don't have to, like, that's fine. If he likes that, that's awesome. Like (laughs) whatever, you know, I like, look, you're eating your steak. Well done. Like, that's fine. I'm going to have mine rare, medium rare, like that, but, but you know what? I'm still going to sit at the table with you and, and be happy that you're enjoying your steak. Like, -hmm. that's fine. Like, I I don't like, I don't have to enjoy the same thing you do, but I also don't have to, you know, dump on you for, for liking something different than me. We've, we've gotten to a point where it's really hard to have conversations and I've, it's funny. I've been listening to and I'm going to I'm going to forget his name, but he is a Nobel Prize winning uh economist, but he comes at the economy from a perspective of psychology. So hmm. it's like it's right up my alley. Like it's it's beautiful. It's it's hmm. like it's like game theory but like instead of uh, assuming everybody's rational, it's game theory assuming everybody is a person and not <laughs> rational. And and so one of the things that, that he said was negotiations aren't about convincing someone. And we've forgotten that. So we come at it trying to convince the other person. Negotiations are about understanding and not applying pressure. Because if you come at it trying to convince somebody and trying to apply pressure the immediate reaction is negative it's bristling it's it's exactly what you're seeing from all these people on twitter saying man i wish uh, dynasty twitter would go away or i can't wait for redraft season so we don't have to listen to these dynasty assholes anymore like <laughs> but 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 if we if we went about it instead of trying to convince people that our way is right try to listen to to other people and and what they want out of dynasty and we can give that to them without without hurting what what we want like that's fine like you can you can you can analyze multiple things from multiple different directions and and still give content and and it's just it's it's frustrating to me to see us and we, we now we're getting deep. Now we're getting big because societally we do this. Societally it's, it's, I mean, we've gotten to the and we, politically, we do this, it's, it's, it's your team and my team. And we've gotten so entrenched in, you know, in picking sides that we don't have conversations anymore. And mm. whether it's fantasy football or whether it's politics or whether it's Education or or anything. We've gotten to this point where we're not trying to understand what the other people are saying or what the other people want. We're just waiting until they're done talking so we can get our point out. And it and it's frustrating. It's it's easy to see why people get get disheartened with now we're now we're being trivial, but disheartened with the dynasty community because. If you're telling me I'm an idiot, I'm not going to sit there for very long before I'm like, well, I don't have to listen to you. I can go play Redraft. Yeah. Whatever. And I know. and and by doing that, not only are we losing out on a bigger community, but but we're also taking away this opportunity for people to enjoy this game that we love. Yeah. Like let's share it instead of instead of like hoarding it.
1: Yeah. Um, and share share the analysis space too that's i i i uh (laughs) there's a there's an analyst i don't i don't want to mention him by name um i i've had private conversations with him but uh i i i don't want to necessarily mention him in in public uh um, without his permission, but, uh, like, it's a guy who, like, I, I was really hard on him for a long time. Um, because, you know, we would, we would get tagged in the same polls or whatever. And, and, uh, you know, ask the same basic questions. And sometimes his answers were just, to me, it was just like, what in the hell are you talking (laughs) about right now? Like that, that it like not only did i disagree with it it just felt like not a real answer not a very good answer <laughs> um and I, and i was really hard on him for a while he he ultimately he ended up blocking me and uh i so i end up bringing this up every uh every episode because i've got some um i've got some pretty uh deep seated issues with <laughs> with this, my my therapist is making a ton of money uh, because <laughs> one time I tweeted that you should handcuff your own running backs, and you know, got analytics Twitter just coming <laughs> after me <laughs> like none other. But I, I, if you pick out a a you know a pet issue of JJ Zacharyson's and go against it, yeah, you're gonna hear from everybody with a spreadsheet, yep. <laughs> essentially everybody else with a model. And, and I heard from JJ himself. And I mean, he obviously disagreed with me. We all knew that was coming. Um, but he did it in a, like a very civil, very, uh, yeah. very respectful way. I, I I've never had a bad conversation with JJ, um, even when we disagree on stuff. Um, but I had, I had some people in the industry, like literally trying to cancel me over this. And I'm like, this is, this is strategy. First of all, I like Peter Howard, uh, you know, him and I disagreed on that at the time. He did some research into it. The very next day did an episode of dynasty crossroads where he said, all right, I still feel like the way to go is to draft other people's handcuff, not your own. But, it doesn't make actually that much of a difference. Right. Like it's not, it's not really something that's worth getting as, is, is pissed off as people were. <laughs> <laughs> like that was kind of the, the takeaway. And, uh, but like, but after that, at, at, just after that experience, I just kind of, uh, I, I just, I mean, first of all, I had to step away from Twitter for a while. I was like, I don't like the way that made me feel. I mm-hmm. don't like how angry I got. Um, and I, I don't like how, how lonely Twitter can make you feel when, you know, when they find a, a way to, to really attack you. Um, and so I, you know, I just deactivated my account for a week or so. Um, but I, 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 I DM'd that, that guy that I had had such an issue with before. Uh, you know, after some reflection, I was like, you know what, like this, it's the same thing. Like, you know, I was talking about strategy. They disagreed with the strategy and they felt like I should be canceled because (laughs) I didn't agree with their strategy. I kind of did the same thing to that, to that other analyst. I mean, I wasn't trying to cancel him, but I was way too hard on him for just giving his type of analysis stuff that makes sense to him and things that he enjoys talking about. And I reached out to him and apologized to him and was like, you know, that that there's absolutely nothing wrong with you doing, you know, giving your type of analysis. I'm not always going to agree with it, but there's a, but I'm not going to be disrespectful to you about that because we're all we're all just out here trying to do the same basic thing we just sometimes come to different conclusions absolutely but but every single every single one of us should be allowed to still you know still do this the way we want to do this in the way that we enjoy doing it and it's for everybody else to decide all right is that analysis that I want to use or just analysis that I want to you know Touch and go on, just, just to uh, just feather touch that and walk away. Yeah, scroll past it. And, and that, like, that's
0: first of all, that is big of you and impressive. And I don't mean to embarrass you on your own show, but like <laughs> being able to to look at that, reflect on yourself, and realize that that you may have affected somebody else, and to be able to then you know, get over yourself and, and go to that person. Like that's, that's big. We need, we need more of that. We also need to understand that not everybody needs to listen to your analysis and you don't need to listen to everybody else's analysis, like find Mm -hmm. people that you trust, but not necessarily people that you always agree with. And this is, again, it's, it's David Kahneman is the, is the guy that I've been listening to that economist, Mm -hmm and and one of the another thing that he says is protect dissenting opinions because that's where you learn the people who disagree with you even if even if you walk away not agreeing with them you've either had to protect your position so you've either had to had to think about where you are to be able to defend it or you may have have uh changed your position a little bit by, by hearing somebody who disagrees with you. And I've had similar interactions where, uh, th- there's a, 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 a guy that I, and I value his, uh, analysis, his opinion, but oftentimes when I interact with people, it's because I disagree with them and mm-hmm. I ask questions Yeah, and sometimes that's off-putting. Like sometimes it feels like uh, either I don't trust you or like I dislike you but that's not what I'm doing what I'm doing is it's the raptors I'm poking the fence I'm testing to see where the soft spots are and I'm I'm testing to see oh okay so there's a lot more behind this I I like this maybe I'm going to take a piece of this maybe I'm going to change a little bit of how how I uh, view things because it's this is different, and sometimes different is good. But I, I got a DM, and it was like, why do you hate me? I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean? And, and he was like, every time we interact, it's always when we disagree. And I said, that is because I value disagreements way more than people rubber stamping what I have to say. Yeah. Because I don't ever learn anything if somebody is, is telling me exactly what I think like when my mouth is running i don't learn anything yeah i'm learning from people who are thinking differently than i do if if i already have the answer i don't need to ask you the question
2: mm-hmm.
0: i'm asking questions when i don't have the answer and and so it's not that it's not that it's a personal thing or that i dislike you i actually love what i'm getting out of these interactions and if you if you feel like i'm i'm being negative or or you know there's there's some animosity like let's talk about that because it, that like that's not my intent my intent is if i disagree with you i want to know why how you got to this but it's like what we were talking before the show like mm-hmm. i i am a i am always going to be i'm a teacher's kid and i started off uh my my work career as a teacher before i moved on to things that pay better and and don't entail talking to angry parents but it, it I want to learn I want to know why I don't just want to know what I want to know why I want to know how you got there and I want to know you know especially if you're thinking differently than I do you you obviously got there differently than I did and so I want to know the the why because that's that's how I can change my process. If you tell me what to think, that works out for, for that specific instance. And we, I used the example of A.J. Brown before the show, like, trade A.J. Brown. So you see those tweets all the time. Trade A.J. Brown. Yeah. Okay. Like, why? For what? Like, what am we doing? <laughs>
1: and, and that Explain that, yourself.
0: Yeah, and, and that tweet may not be relevant in two weeks because the reason why they said trade AJ Brown may have changed two weeks from now. But if you don't have the context, you don't know. But if you say trade AJ Brown, because he is uh, overvalued with a running quarterback in a low passing volume offense, and he's got bad knees and they're, they're, you know, all of these things. Now I can look at that and say, okay, when I have a, a, a situation where I've got a wide receiver who, I think is overvalued who's in a potentially low value or low um, low volume passing offense, you know, tied to tied to a quarterback who, who may be running an awful lot or maybe doesn't throw, you know, as well, you know, then I can, I can take that and use it in multiple situations across maybe even multiple years and incorporate that into my process Mm -hmm. I can look at DK Metcalf and be like, maybe DK Metcalf is a trade now in this situation because people are still valuing him as a top eight dynasty. You know, things like that. Like, I'm not saying trade DK Metcalf or AJ Brown, but I'm saying that if you understand the process, even if it's a process that comes to a different conclusion than you, you can now use that. You don't have to use the whole thing, but use pieces of it. Use things that you find valuable to your own process and so having dissenting opinions is okay Mm -hmm. like shouting them down is not great right (laughs) asking questions and trying to understand the why that that makes you that makes you better like Mm -hmm. it, it literally does like you can gain things from this so even if you're doing it purely selfishly and and not in the like I'm trying to I'm trying not to be an asshole so uh, you know other people are happier and I'm trying to make the world a better. Even if you're purely selfish, you're going to take something from this. So you're you're going to win if you are not applying pressure, if you are trying to understand in negotiation in instead of, you know, instead of trying to beat somebody over the head.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Man. That, so that's a, that's a probably a good place to put a bow on that. Uh, just to bring it back to fantasy before we wrap it up um, and dynasty. Um, what is, what is your strategy with, with super And it, like, let, let's, let's, you know, primarily in the startup. Um, now that you know that I'm, whatever you say, I'm just going to let you say it. I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to shout you down because uh, that's the mood that we've created here. That's the ambiance of this episode of the Superflex Super Show, and we're going to stick with that. So uh, even if it is crappy quarterbacks, which I have a feeling <laughs> is what you're about to say. So,
0: no, so so I will let this, especially if I'm in a startup, I will let the league dictate how I'm going to play. So <laughs> if you if I'm in a league where quarterbacks fly off the board, then I'm going to take a quarterback earlier than I normally would. I'm still hmm. going to take a similar quarterback to yeah. who I, so I, I normally end up with uh, quarterbacks in that like Kirk cousins range. And I, I know that I know that I talked about the, the one that I had Roethlisberger and Cam Newton. That's a little bit of an outlier. More often I, I end up with like Kirk cousins or, the past couple of years, Tom Brady, because he's been undervalued because he's old and and dynasty, you can't have anybody over twenty seven right. like that that sort of thing. Um, or I will not draft quarterbacks or not draft great quarterbacks and then use my my rookie picks to draft quarterbacks. so i've got a I've got a team where, I've got um, well. I traded him now. I, ch- I had Trevor Lawrence and I had Tua and I had another young quarterback, but I also had Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I I traded and ended up trading Lawrence and I got back. Um, I had I, now I have Dak Prescott and and Russell Wilson. Yeah. And so like it's 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 a matter of and and I know this is a bad answer because or not the answer you're looking for because I don't have a specific strategy. I find that if I understand the different strategies, if I understand J.J. Zacharyson, late round quarterback, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? Late round quarterback doesn't necessarily mean I'm waiting for a specific round, right? but I'm waiting for specific types of quarterbacks, the undervalued guys. I'm waiting until, you know, I'm, I'm getting into that cousins, Derek Carr group, but also, if if we're in, like, the second round or third round and, and Kyler's still there or, you know, a, a player, Dak, sometimes people are off Dak this year like crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, so, <laughs> it, yeah, he had a rough year, but he was coming off, you know, a, a surgically repaired broken ankle. Like, give the guy a, a little bit of time to get back in the flow of things. Dallas's offense wasn't great. Like, so it's it's to me it's a matter of figuring out what your league is doing and then combating that by by you know doing the opposite and then and then making your your moves you know strategically. so so if we were in a league and, and you're going QBX and I know that you're going QBX, and, and maybe we've got two or three other guys in this league that are, are going to go QB heavy. Mm-hmm. I'm probably in the first two rounds going to try to get my young wide receivers. I'm probably going to mm-hmm. try to get Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then try to get in the third round those quarterbacks that you guys are going, oh, there's a big tear break. Well, like, yeah, that's fine. But I got two quarterbacks who are going to play. Yep. And I got the best two young wide receivers, which means even if my quarterbacks tank, I got, you know, years to be able to to recoup and 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 you know add quarterbacks either in the draft or trade picks. I, I think that's another thing that people really miss. The cheapest you're ever going to get players is in rookie drafts. And it's because rookie picks replenish every year. And mm-hmm. that's why it's the value is in rookie drafts. It's it's not that, you know, you get the, you know, the one-on-one is, is expensive. It's the one-on-one, but, but it's, it's devalued. It's less expensive because you're going to have a one-on-one next year and there's going to be a one on you know, you're going to get draft picks every single year. Mm-hmm. So those replenish. So that's, I think looking at, Again, looking at what your league is doing, trying to combat what, what your league is doing, but also understanding the long term and and not having to panic in a startup. Yeah. And that, that that's one of the things, and and Russ, Dynasty Outhouse, Russ Fisher, has been instrumental to me in this in his his mantra the the you know, draft for talent, trade for need. You don't have to have a starting lineup until the the year starts. All of those things. And then him, I, I've been listening to him and, and in leagues with him and have finally figured out how to trade, mm-hmm. which was something that I've been so bad at. have been <laughs> so bad at it. And, and thinking about trades not as an individual, like, action an individual event but you have the ability to cascade trade so like this trade may not be getting you to the place you want to be mm-hmm. but you can make more to get there and yeah. so again it's not my my strategy isn't really a strategy my strategy is to know all the strategies and then understand where to play the specific strategy against the specific league that you're in Based on what other people are doing, I think it's and again, it's not a I I feel like I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish I had a yeah, I do this.
1: No, I but I don't do that. I yeah, I
0: I do everything. Like I'll if I'm in a league where nobody's taking quarterbacks, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'll QBX that. Yeah, oh yeah, let's go. I'll (laughs) corner that market. If if I'm in a league where quarterbacks are going like crazy. I'm probably going to take my shots early. And then, you know, I'm okay with having those back end quarterbacks. I'm okay with two QB2s if I've got three wide receiver ones. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll make up that. And once we get into the season, I may be able to trade one of those guys to get a quarterback that Mm -hmm. I want that I couldn't have got in the draft. And so that's, I mean, that's, that's just, uh, it's be water. It's, it's understand the different strategies, understand how they apply, understand your league mates. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And, and then use all that to, to build a team that you like.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Uh, like and that's that's the whole thing like I I, my strategy is the exact opposite like I I I don't I I go into it with a plan I know what I want my roster to look like I know or you know again a roster mix the names don't matter I don't I don't care about the names Uh, but I want my five quarterbacks I want to go minimalist at wide receiver Um, and and I I want to leave all that space for running backs and you know I'm gonna I'll I even know kind of where I'm going to pick my spots at running back. I know that it's going to essentially be a little bit of a, a hero quarterback or hero running back type approach. Um, I don't, I don't like using that term, but I haven't heard of another, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know of another one. Um, and, and like, there's, there's kind of nothing that can happen in a draft that's going to push me off of that. Um, but I mean, the reality is, I end up missing out on a lot of value because of that, because of that rigidity. Especially when I'm in a league, and this, this, I mean, this is pretty much every time I I do a startup at this point. uh, The people that I'm in this startup with, they know what I'm gonna do, and they try to block me. They try to, like, they first of all, somehow I always end up at pick one twelve in a startup. I, I sw- it's a damn conspiracy. I'm not as conspiracy theorist, but I promise you they're doing that on purpose That's number one. Um, it, but then there'll be several people. I, I mean, they'll take all quarterbacks ahead of me and make me take the 12th quarterback with my first round pick. Just like they're trying to dare me into it. And it's like I mean this, uh, like I said, this is what works for me, so I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take Aaron Rodgers. You guys don't think he should be a first round pick, but I mean, I just I I know what roster build works for me, and I'm there's no way that you're gonna push me off of that, you know. Uh, so it it's it's the exact opposite type of strategy, um, as as kind of the conventional wisdom of uh, like you said, be water. But, but it, it, you know, it, it and, and like I said, I mean, it, it, I, I recognize that I miss out on value. I just think that I find all the value and even more production, um, no. by doing it that way. And, and, and that's the thing. It, either way works. And, and that's it. That's the, man, that's, that's
0: the full circle on the show is, yeah. man, you do you, boo. I
2: mean,
0: it's, <laughs> It's it's there are so many different strategies that can work. Robust RB can work. Zero RB can work. Uh, Late round quarterback can work. QBX can work. Like there's not a there's not a hard and fast rule. There's nothing that says you can't win no matter how like no matter how you're building. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, again, we're back to the, that's part of what makes this game beautiful is there are so many different ways to win. There are so many strategies. There are so many different ways to attack it. That's what keeps me interested in it. It, it keeps your, your mind working because no two drafts are the same. No two leagues are the same and and for me the psychology of it I love it because I can I can get in my league mates like I've got you can't see but over here on my left I've got like two notebooks just filled with notes on league mates mm-hmm. and and so that's part of part of this game is the strategy but it doesn't matter what flavor of dynasty you're playing it doesn't matter what the settings are you're still going to have strategy it may be different strategy you have to figure that out but that's what makes it it's what makes it beautiful it's what makes it it's what makes it uh stimulating intellectually Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't think it is i mean uh, fantasy football Uh, uh, you know it sounds like it's just some dumb game and it is but it's also there's a lot to it
1: yeah man uh, we we've we've gone, uh, longer than I expected, um, longer than I meant to, uh, I should have expected it. I mean, yes. uh, you know, the,
0: one word answers
1: <laughs> once, once, once you and I get, get, get going, it's not uh, like, it's not going to be brief. Like we're, we're, we are we we do not do the whole brevity thing, neither of us. <laughs> um, but also I just, I, I, I don't get to talk to you nearly enough once yeah. a year is not is not good as far you know back to the whole you know instead of doing what you're expected to do do what you want to do uh, this is this is something that's kind of changed for me uh in the last couple years as well and especially this off season in particular um the the notion that you're supposed to bring on the big names because it'll help grow your audience, you know, it'll, it the it'll, it'll help your podcast grow and get out to more people. And, uh, you know, I, first of all, I, I, I do believe that I brought on a big name here. Um, (laughs) but the, the bigger priority to me is to bring on the people who I enjoy talking about or talking to, sorry. And, uh, the, the, you know, the people that, that I have the best conversations with, have the most fun podcasting with, because I think that that makes for a better product. I could I could bring on the big names of the internet. I could go, you know, email Matthew Barry until he comes on the SuperFlex <laughs> Super Show, and then that conversation. I mean, it would just be him. It would be me interviewing him. It wouldn't be this conversation. I I, I Matthew Barry is a great conversationalist. It's just. Him and I have never spoken before, <laughs> much less do are, I count him as a friend. Are you, you trying know? to say I
0: don't intimidate you as much as Matthew Barry would? Yeah, I'm sorry to, <laughs> sorry to tell you.
1: Man. <laughs> maybe it's just the keyboard warrior in me, but uh, and knowing that you're all the way on the East Coast and I'm over here, it's only nine <laughs> o'clock at night for me. So uh, not only not only is there plenty of air in between us, Uh, I also am, uh, it's still, it's still early for me. I'm still, I can, I can still run pretty fast where I imagine, uh, you're ready to just go to sleep. So, um, on that note, we should definitely wrap this up, but also, uh, I, I need to have you on here more than once a year.
0: Absolutely. You know, look, anytime you pop into those DMS and say, you want to come on, I'm going to say yes, because I love talking to you, John. And, and it doesn't matter if the camera's on or if the, you know, the audio is recording, it doesn't matter. I love talking to you. you I'll I'll, I'll always, always say yes. So
1: yeah. uh, yeah. Likewise, my friend, for sure. Yeah. At Tacit Assassin 13, what are you doing for the draft? I think the plan is a
0: dynasty dummies day two draft show.
1: Okay. Uh, Nice. We've done
0: it. We've done it for ever. And, and so I think that's going to be, that's going to be the thing. Everyone else does the day one. They want all the glory, all the glitz, (laughs) Uh, but, but they don't realize that. And, and maybe you should cover your years because the quarterbacks (laughs) go day one, but, but the real meat of fantasy football Mm -hmm. goes day two. It really does. All the running backs go day two. A lot of the receivers go day two. You're going to see some tight ends go like that's where fantasy football happens. Day day one is like four quarterbacks, a whole bunch of fat guys and like two wide receivers. <laughs> like that's, that's what's going to happen <laughs> on day one. And, and so, yeah, I think we're going to do the, the day two show. It's at least Jay Mike and, and myself and, uh, and Matt Foreman, uh, you're cordially invited. If you're not doing anything uh, the second day, don't don't you don't have to give me an answer now. We I don't want to put you on the spot, but <laughs> but uh, the 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 more the merrier. You know we got that we got the family in, so it'll nice. be uh, it'll be fun.
1: I like it. I know I'll be on the DAP network on day one. I have no idea what their plan is <laughs> day two and beyond. So man, I might just take you up on that. But yeah, I because I also think we're. I think we're going to see a lot of quarterbacks on day two. Actually, that's where they belong.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a. This is going to be a weird draft. It's this is a this is like a trench draft and like some cornerbacks. That's what yeah. that's what the you know people are really excited about. i like I don't know anything about that. D line, O line.
2: Yeah.
1: I don't know.
0: I know we need. I know you need it to play football, but
1: yeah. All you know, I know we- is they, they both. They affect my quarterbacks in very different (laughs) ways. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. All right, Zach, thanks for coming on. Zach Reed at Tacit Assassin 13 dynasty dummies and also like at this point are you just an official co-host of dynasty no, grind no
0: it, it was it was funny like I'm I I described myself as the guy on the couch so i have like, yeah. half baked uh Stephen Wright the guy on the couch so that's I just kind of <laughs> I I I was there and then I never left and and Peter said he mentioned it in like the dlf slack the other day and someone high up was like who and he was like oh no no no, no. And so, like, I, I don't think anybody really knows I'm there, but I'm kind of there in an unofficial capacity. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I I love talking to Peter, so it's uh, it's been good.
1: After every one of your responses, I hope Peter Howard says, I believe him, yo. I don't yeah. know why, but I do. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he he really
1: disagrees with you. You're, you're the guy on the couch. Got to do it. Got to do it. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. It's uh, always always fun to talk to you. Like I said, we'll do it again soon. Let's wrap it up there for the week. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family of Podcasts mega feed. Uh, do us a huge favor and rate and review the Super Show. Uh, if you would, it just helps me to get out to more people and touch on more of those topics that are useful to you, my Super Friends. You can get at me on Twitter at super Flex Show at super Flex Dude. Always happy to retweet, trade polls, whatever you got. Um, get it, get at me in the DMs. I always answer questions. That's how I like to spend my free time. So do it. Take advantage. Uh, this episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brancatulous. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah,